This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus, you know, and they had one of the lawyers of the Pharisees and out of, out of 613 commandments, they were asked Jesus, Jesus, out of all the commandments, they thought they were going to trap him, which is the greatest, the 613 commandments, which is the greatest. And he, Jesus says to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. That's the first. And the second is just like it because it deals with love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know that you're called to minister to those around you? That doesn't mean that you have to preach from the pulpit or be a missionary in another country. But Pastor Eddie shows us today that the commandment to love God and love our neighbor is in fact a call to serve. As Paul mentors Timothy in his letter, we can gain insight into what it looks like to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Jesus came to serve. As his disciples, we should do likewise. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, as he begins his message, take heed to your ministry. First Timothy chapter four, as we study God's word verse by verse, we get a Bible into your hand. We want you to follow along with us. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read from verses 12 through 16. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, uh, we're so grateful. Your word never hits the ground and never returns back to you void. Lord, it does what it's called to do, and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it ministers to us. It brings correction. It gives us wisdom, and it draws us closer to you. The more we read your word, the more we understand who you are. And Lord, it's impossible for man to fully understand you. You're not a small God, you're a big God. And so Lord, it's such a blessing that we can read your word and always get something new because it's living. And so Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to be our teacher this morning as we continue through the epistle of 1 Timothy, a letter to the leaders in the church and how we ought to conduct ourselves in the church. We ask your Holy Spirit to minister to us through your word by opening up our eyes to see, ears to hear, our minds to understand your word, and our heart ready to receive it, and our lives ready to live it. And so, Lord, we ask that you be with us. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. Paul writes, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gifts that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continuing in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself 
and those who hear you. Paul is still dealing with leaders in the church. First Timothy is a pastoral epistle. In fact, is there are three pastoral epistles, First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Lord willing, we'll go through those this year. They are known as the pastoral epistles. These epistles gives us the, uh, the qualification requirements of a leader, pastor, elder, deacon, bishop. And it gives us instructions in how we ought to uh, conduct ourselves in the church and how the ministry should operate in the church. And you may be asking yourself, well, I'm not a leader. Uh, Why do I need to study this portion of scripture? Well, I'm going to answer that question with a question. How then would you know if a leader is qualified? Does he meet the requirements God lists for us in his word? Is he leading God's people according to the word? And so God has given us the word. It gives us, it gives to you, to me, so that we would know the things concerning the church, leadership and ministries in the church. This is the, thing, the, the key verse for this epistle is mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, where Paul writes, so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. This church is the church of the living God, the church, the pillar. And so when we think about a church, it's not just a gathering. It's not a little organization where we all get together, have a little powwow. No, this is a sacred place. When we gather together, not so much the buildings and the chair, you know, the building and the chairs, but you and I, we make up the church, is important. When we get to chapters 5 and 6, Paul will address the ministries, and that we'll study next week. He would address the ministries, and that includes not only leaders, but everyone who considers himself a member of the body of Christ. And so if you are serving in the house of God in any capacity, or you're just attending it tells us, it will tell us in chapters 5 and 6 of 1 Timothy. The last time we were in 1 Timothy, we looked at chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And in verses 1 through 5, Paul dealt with a, a bad leader, what he, he describes as a bad leader, false teachers. And in verses 6 through 11, he gave us, described for us what is a good leader, a good servant, a minister of Christ. And so that brings us this morning to verses 12 and 16 of chapter 4, 1 Timothy. Paul now is going to continue to write, he's, he's, he's writing to Timothy, he's going to admonish Timothy to be strong in the ministry, to take charge of the ministry, and to lead the ministry. Take charge, be strong, and lead. The Apostle Paul will do this by giving uh, at this section, verses 12 through 16, a series of commands. He doesn't say, I command you. It doesn't say commandment number one through, through eight. But it's a series of commands as his, his father in the faith. Timothy is his protege. He's still learning under the Apostle Paul. He still submits under the Apostle Paul. And Paul's encouraging him as a leader. I'm giving you now in this section, in verses 12 to 16, a series of commands. And there are eight of them eight of them that Timothy must follow. And so we read our text. Let us now study our text verse by verse. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12. First commandment, he says, let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. Don't let it happen. 
At the time that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, Timothy is anywhere from the age of, some scholars believe he was from the age of 30 to 35, while others say mid-30s to the end, uh, to late 30s. But whether he's 30, 35, or 39, we know for sure he's not a teenager. He's not in his 20s at this time. He followed Paul when he was younger, probably in his 20s. Um, but now he's probably in his 30s, and he's overseeing the church, and that's a lot for a young man. And obviously, Paul knew that, you know, there were members of the church of Ephesus, not all, but many of them were in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, might be in 100. We don't know. But the church is filled with all kinds of age groups, and that's what I love about a church you know, I know a lot of churches, they now gear towards the young. They want nothing with the older people. And I think that's not a family church. A family is made up of all age groups. And so the house of God should also be a house of all age groups from the little ones, from toddlers, to, I mean, actually newborns to 105. If someone is 105, let me know. But it should be of all age groups. But here, obviously, there are much men there that are older and probably um, this got to Paul's ear. And this is why he's writing this. Let no one despise your youth. And probably some of them will probably say, well, Timothy, he's a young pup. He doesn't know anything about life. Who is he to lead us? So he writes, don't let anyone despise your youth or to think less of you, to look down on with contempt because you're young. Don't let that discourage you. Now, for those of you who are up in age, in the same way, don't look down at those who got called in the faith, those who got called in the ministry. Be a pastor, leader. You know, you may know more about life. You may have more life experience. But one thing you don't have, that one that's younger, that is called, that person is called by God. It's ordained by God. And he's called to lead God's, pe- to lead God's people. And there must be a respect there. And I know for me, I've always had a respect. I remember when I became a, a, a regional manager for Caldors and then, I, you know, in the department store. Uh, not regional in the sense of, you know, outside the building, but in a section part of this department store, I was a, a manager. And I had trouble telling an older man who was probably in his 70s, 60s, he wanted to work. And I, I was always blessed by that. But I always gave him more respect. And some of the other people saw that because I had a hard time. I was always raised to respect those who were older than me. The Asian culture, that's how it is. Here in the West, I don't know. But in the Asian, Asian culture, that's how it is. They always respect the elder. When the elder walks in the room, they have the best seat in the house. The younger ones sit on the floor, they give up the seat. They acknowledge, they listen. When he talks or she talks, there's silence. And I've always had, that's the way I was always raised. So I had a hard time until I realized I, I needed to uh, just, times got tight and we didn't have much people. I had to really, you know, just tell him. He, and he didn't have a problem with it. Didn't have a problem with it. And from that man, I don't remember his name, but... Um, Uh, I remember uh, he made it easy for me. And so one thing we must understand, the scripture does tell us, and I don't have it up there, but Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, we must submit to those who rule over us. That's a a scripture that we must submit, regardless of age, regardless of background. And for those of you who have been in the military, you know what that is like. 
You've been in the military and sometimes you've had a, a sergeant, a captain, a lieutenant, someone who's up there in rank but younger than you are. I, I wasn't in military, it's in law enforcement, which is a paramilitary, and it's about the same. There have been young guys who I could be their father. They were my sergeants and lieutenants. But there was a respect. You respect the rank. They always said, you respect the rank. You don't have to respect the person. Respect the rank. But as Christians, we're called to respect all people, the person and the rank. And so this here is the case. But when it comes to ministry in the house of God, more so. We must respect those who God has called and placed in leadership, regardless of age. And, and so to help a young Pastor Timothy in this, Paul gives him the first command. You know, don't let anyone despise you. You do not. That's a command. But he's going to tell him just to kind of balance things off because they might be young. I, I've known young men who were in the ministry and it got to their head. And I know this is not the case with Timothy, but Paul knows that. He's writing his letter to Timothy as a pastoral epistle. In the future, people like you and I, 2,000 years later, we're going to read this. And so that those who are young, they won't think it's only one-sided. Oh, the older people should not look down on me. But so too, the younger leaders, pastors, you need to set an example. And so this is what Paul's going to do now. He's going to give him some examples to help him in his position and authority as a pastor over those who are older in the church of Ephesus. He gives them commands. And so this next command, second command, has a total of six. So it's like command number 2A, 2B, okay? So he says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. The first thing, you're going to be an example to the believers, and that's something that leaders ought to be because your teaching is not so much leading and is not only teaching from the pulpit, but the life you live should also be an example in being a leader. And you must set an example off the podium, outside, when you're driving your car and someone cuts you off. I still need to set an example. I still need to set an example. Someone cuts me off in Walmart, you know? I still need to set an example. And pastor or leader is to be an example to the people of God. Jesus said in John chapter 13, 15, he says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And that's important. Is the person you're following Christ-like? Not perfect, no such thing. But are they Christ-like? Are they living a life that honors Christ, that is a reflection of who Christ is? Now that applies to all of us, not just leaders. You know that. We all to be Christ-like. We are his followers. We are his disciples. We are Christians. We follow Christ. Now, Paul is writing this leaves again. It's applicable for us. We all must set the example to one another and also as an example to the world and how a Christian ought to live, and it's so important. There are so many people who have been discouraged from coming to church or going to church or to even be a part of anything that is Christ uh, because of the bad examples Christians set. And it's at home. That's at home too. <laughs> we forget. And we must set the example. But Paul is speaking to leaders and he writes to uh, Timothy. He says, be an example to the believers, number one, in word. 
Number one, in word. Uh, the first example he is to give the word, and it, it, it means in conversation. It, it could mean also the word of God, but it also means in conversation. The word logos, it has, the word word in the Greek has many meanings, but it could also apply in, in word. But we see in, in context, Paul is going to address that later. But it also could refer to the word. It, oh, I, I think it's best to always uh, depend on the word as the ultimate source and how we're to set an example. But here Paul is saying in conversation, in conversation, in word. Uh, we are to set an example in how we speak and the way we speak, careful with the words we use. You know, if a word is considered a curse word in the world, so too we must consider it should be better. We must be above that. Our conversation, you know, shouldn't be, oh, well, everybody uses that word. That's okay. If everybody, you know, commits sin, and like your mom always say, if, 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 if your friends jump off the roof, you're going to jump off the roof, right? Why, as Christians, we, we, we ought use, to speak. Expressions that we use properly. shouldn't even be cut short and try to substitute a word because, oh, yeah, you know what you mean in the heart. Even though you disguised it with another word, <laughs> just to probably be politically correct and not offend anybody, but it's still there. It's in the heart. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, it let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. It should be flavorful. That when people listen and say, well, you know what you said, you know, tastes good. I want more of that. Not to discourage them. Our speech should be clean. It should edify and it should build up others. It should edify, build up others. So in word, it should be a reflection. We're the mouthpiece of God. How are people going to hear of the gospel by our words? And it's the same mouth we use to glorify God and praise God. But yet we use it outside of the church and around different circles, and we're using words that we shouldn't and talking the way we shouldn't. So it should be in word. Now also, again, it could be referring to teaching of the word. We must study, teach, in the, teach the word of God. The second example is in conduct. So in word and in conduct. And, you know, a pastor, a leader, is to be an example in conduct and behavior. And this refers to his entire demeanor, everything about him in conduct, how he acts, how he behaves. Peter wrote in his first epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he said, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And saints, listen, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You want to know how Christ responded to everyday life? You want to know what he said, how he walked, and how he ministered to people, how he loved people, and how he shared his life with people? You have four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read them. So we could be more Christ-like. So we'll study and follow Christ's example and how we ought to live. The third example is in love. Speaking of the love of God, man does not know love. Man abuses love. Love is used for everything. I love, you know, biscuits. I love, you know, my dog. I love my wife. You love for everything, but not everything you love is good for you. Like the biscuits, depending what you're eating with, you know. But God, you see, God is known for his love, for God is love. He's known for his love, for he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Christ knows with love because he willingly went to the cross because of love. 
And we're talking about a love, an agape love, an unconditional love. And this, so we, he's to set an example in love. And of course, that's for the brethren. That's for the brothers and sisters in Christ, how we are to love one another. Love keeps no record, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is kind. Love is patient. Now, obviously, not only we know that God is love, and he displayed that by sending his son. Jesus displayed it by being faithful and dying on the cross for us. But Jesus also led by example while he was here during his earthly ministry. And he writes in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as, I will underline that word as, I have loved you. And how much Christ loved us unto death on the cross. That you also love one another by this. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how the world would know. So Paul is, uh, Paul is saying, Timothy, Timothy, in word, okay, it, you know, in conduct and in love, you know, this, how they would know that you were called. Yeah, you're young, but if you set these examples, they're going to realize, you know what? Timothy is young, and I, I spoke about him earlier, but you know what? He's been setting a good example in word, in conduct, and in love. He really loves the people. He really is doing his ministry. He's, wow, what a good shepherd. He, you can tell he loves his calling. He loves the Lord, and he loves the people. In fact, we know that's the greatest commandment. The, the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus, you know, and they had one of the lawyers of the Pharisees, and out of, out of 613 commandments, they were asked Jesus. Jesus, out of all the commandments, they thought they were going to trap him, which is the greatest, the 613 commandments, which is the greatest. And he, Jesus says, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, that's the first. And the second is just like it because it deals with love. Love your neighbor as yourself. They contrary every detail of the law, 613 commandments. Which one do I follow? Which one I've broken today? Which one I'm going to break tomorrow? No matter how hard I try, I break these commandments all the time. I sin against God. But these two commandments, if you focus on love, you love God, it's easy. You don't have to worry about the 613. If you love your neighbor, you don't have to worry about the 613. If you look at the Ten Commandments, and we, we, we study this many times, the, the first four has to deal with God. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Keep the Sabbath. Thou shalt not uh, create an image. Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. If you love God, you won't do any of the three. You don't have to worry about going through all the commandments. If you love God, you won't break those commandments. And then the other is for, for fellow man. If you love your neighbor, you won't lie to him, steal, cheat, you know? So if you love God as a vertical, his image of the cross, vertically, we're loving God. We don't have to worry about all those commandments because I love him. And, and then horizontally, I, I love my fellow man. I don't have to worry about the other six or the 603, right? I'm You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and practical advice that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. This book jumps into what it looks like to be a leader in the church. Paul also doesn't shy away from encouraging those who are young to run with zeal and not grow discouraged. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in spirit, in faith, in purity. If you're facing opposition because of your age, be reminded that Timothy faced similar struggles, and God used him mightily. 
just like he can use you too. We're so glad you joined us today for running the race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today. And we look forward to the next edition in the book of 1 Timothy on running the race.